and welcome to the Run the Day podcast. I am your host, Nick Simmons, and with me as always is Kamala. How are you, Cam? Great. Cam, what did you think of this one? But I just want to- I loved it's it. It's got to be the best episode yet. Yeah, Sonia's awesome. Just such an incredible, strong, well-spoken so woman. So strong. And I, I mentioned it. She's so elegant. Yeah. You know, the way she carried herself around the track is now the way she carries herself uh, post-retirement. She is one of the world's fastest women ever. Unreal. One of the most decorated Olympians. But more than that, she's just so brilliant. Yeah. The message that she sends, it's so inspiring and she's so honest and raw. Yep. This might be the most, the, the rawest interview we've done yet. Yeah, she's so vulnerable and open with that. And I think that's what changes people's lives is her authenticness. I just remember... I used to show up to the track, a nervous ball of, <laughs> of you know, anxiety, barely yeah. able to put one foot in front of the other. And I'd see Sonia warming up to go win another Olympic gold medal. And she of always course. came up to me and gave me a huge hug. It meant so much to me. And I think we start the interview off that way. What an incredible woman. And her just taking those small moments that mean so much to show the type of person that she is. Absolutely. You guys are in for a real treat here. This is one of the most wonderful women on the planet. It's Sonia Richards-Ross. All right, here she is coming to us from Austin, Texas. It's Sonia Richards-Ross. Sonia, how are you? Hey, Nick. I'm awesome. Super excited to be joining you. How are you? I'm so good. It's so good to finally be catching up with you. For our listeners, uh, Sonia was the brightest, most smiley face I saw at the warm-up <laughs> track every meet. And I, I just want to say this, Sonia. Every single time I was warming up, you'd be getting ready to go win an Olympic gold medal or set a world record. <laughs> and no matter how important the meet was, no matter how busy you were, you would come over and give me a huge hug and wish me luck. And I just thank you so much. It meant so much to me as a young athlete to, to have you do that. Well, you know, Nick, there was something always about your personality and your presence that was, I, I always felt that I was gravitated uh, towards you and, and, and just kind of showed throughout your career, just the kind of the person that you were. So yeah, I felt like you always did the same for me and you were always that positive and encouraging presence when I was going out and kind of that calm in the storm. So <laughs> I'm super excited that we got to share that time together on the track. We palled around with a lot of athletes, you know, some really down to earth, some a little bit more crazy. You always were the most graceful of them all. You just carried yourself with such poise and, and dignity. And you could have been, you know, a diva out there, but you weren't. Where does that, where does that humble, you know, Sonia Richards Ross come from? Oh, well, thank you. I think ultimately I would say two things. One, I, I feel like I'm very grounded in my faith. And I always try to um, remember that what I had and when I was on the track, it was a gift. And I was always very grateful to be able to, that that gift took me all over the world, allowed me to meet great people. And so I felt like I was kind of anchored in my faith. And then for sure, my family, like I'm so, so blessed to have an amazing, a supportive family, my mom and my dad. And I think what's super important for anyone, not just athletes, but anyone, when you're doing something really great, it's good to have people who can tell you what you need to hear. You know, I think a lot of times I look out into the world and you see people go off track. It's because they only have yes men around them or people who are afraid to tell them the truth, you know? And I got to tell you, my dad was never afraid to tell me, hey, look, girl, you're getting arrogant or look, you know, whatever I need to hear. Like, no, that's not the way the world works. Like, no, like, you know, and my mom and dad did that for me. And I feel like they helped to keep me humble and I'm very appreciative of that because I feel like I never got too far off track because of them. Yeah, very, very supportive parents. I used yeah. to see them at the track just as much as I saw you. They traveled all around the world supporting you. How are they doing? 
they're doing great. You know, I think it took a little while for my dad to adjust to life without trying to be <laughs> I'm sure it was a full time <laughs> job for them, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. My mom and dad, they actually managed my career. And like you said, they traveled all over the world. They did all of my marketing. Well, not my marketing, but negotiated all my my deals for my meets and stuff like that. So it was as much a part of their world as it was mine. So, you know, I think my dad now has finally, figured. you know, it's funny. Let me tell you what has filled the gap for him, Nick. It's, it's his grandsons. Like, oh, that's awesome. He is so loving being a grandfather. Like I can call on him anytime to keep our my son and he loves both of his, uh, three of his grandsons now. So I think that's helped him a lot. But yeah, they're doing great. And we're, we live five minutes away from my, my father, my mother, and my sister. So it's super cool because we're all so close together. That's wonderful. It seems like family's always been really important to you in, in, in both your team from a business standpoint, but also just, you know, the people that you fall back on, the people you surround yourself with. So I, I love to hear that. Um, how, how has the transition been for you? You know, Nick, I would say it's been a pretty good transition. I think I was fortunate towards the end of my career to, you know, kind of see the writings on the wall. And especially because of my toe injury, it just kind of, I knew I was going to have to to stop running probably sooner than I, my heart probably wanted to. I, I definitely think I could have gone a couple more years. My body was able to sustain the, the training and stuff. But because of this multiple surgeries and because of everything happening in my life, I think I started to prepare myself mentally and spiritually for what life would be like without track and field. And even though I still have days where I feel like, dang, like I miss it. I miss competing. I miss going out to the track. I miss being with my team and all that stuff. I I really did say, okay, you know, running is not who I am. It was what I did for a long time. And I can always take all those things with me, all the memories, all the lessons I learned. I can take those things and use them in my life now. So, you know, I feel like I've had a smooth transition. I love everything I'm doing now, especially being a mom. And I'm happy. I'm in a good place. So I, I couldn't ask for more than that. Pros out there listening, you know, take some notes from Sonia here because I was kind of in a different place. I was emotionally and more than physically, I was just really ready to stop training. And I had prepared myself so well, I felt with new goals and a business mm-hmm. and all these different things. And still, it was a really hard transition for me. I think when you devote yourself to something the way we did for decades, no matter yeah. how well prepared you are, no matter how many times you put things in a row and imagine yourself retiring, it's still a bit of an adjustment. And you seem to be handling it really well. Tell us about being a mom. You know, I think that that is something that I'm looking forward to as being a dad. Does that kind of just kicks you in the butt a little bit and says, okay, you have to make this transition a little bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think anything prepares you for being a mom. (laughs) I mean, training for the 400, I thought was hard, but there's nothing harder but at the same time, more rewarding than being a mother. It's my greatest joy. Like my son is now 17 months, Nick. And oh my God, like to see the way he, just everything about him. Like he's so, he's so funny. He loves to laugh. He's a great problem solver. This kid figures things out. And like he tries it one time and he gets it. And he's already running circles around the whole community. Is he he getting offers yet? I know the University of Texas says he's fine. Don't don't look anywhere else. Right? Oh my gosh, that's great. But he he's the light of my life. But you know, it was also very tough as well. I think sure. so. As an athlete, it's like at first I always felt like there were all these elements that I I didn't have under my control. But then I did realize a lot of the things. You know, I I pick what time I go to practice. I knew where I was going to have a competition. Like other than weather and things like that that you have no control of. But then you become a mom and you're like, oh my God, nothing. I have control of nothing. Like, you know, you don't know when you're going to sleep. And I think the toughest part as a mom is when your son gets sick and you can't help them or 
a son got RSV really early on when he just couldn't breathe. And he, and it was, that was probably the most crushing time for me as a mom. Like, you know, you want to take that illness away from them and you just want to help them get better quicker. So it's been an amazing journey and my son is thriving and doing so well. And I'm just, I, I'm so happy to be a mom now. My husband loves being a dad. So it's, it's amazing. That is incredible. And fortunately, you guys have the speed to chase him around. But <laughs> <laughs> Nick, some days I wonder, I'm like, I should have had it when I was younger because I'm not fast enough anymore for this. <laughs> how, how old were you when you had your first child? So how old? So I am, so I'm born in 85, so I'm 34, right? So I had him when I was 32, I guess. Yeah, it's about the right yeah. age. You know what, for all that you had going on, it, it must have exactly. been difficult just to kind of say, okay, now we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many runners out there, they kind of plan their children around the Olympic cycles, which you kind yeah. of have to do. Is that what you guys did? Yeah, you know, and Nick, I know we haven't talked about it yet, but I talk about in my book, a really tough time in my life when I was actually confronted with an unexpected pregnancy with Ross and I right before I got married. And I talk about how difficult that was for me. It was right in 2008 when I found out I was pregnant right before I left for Beijing. And as a Christian woman and, and someone who always tried to live my life and not um, deal with anything that difficult or make any kind of tough choice that I felt like would, wouldn't make God proud of me, I had an abortion. I had an abortion in 2008, and it was one of the toughest times in my life and the toughest times of my relationship. And, you know, I always feel like that bronze medal was kind of like, for me, I got on the track feeling like I wasn't deserving of the gold medal. And it's almost like that self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. But the lowest time in my life and the lowest part of my spiritual journey was also probably the one of the, the most high, a, a highlight for me too, because I experienced God in such a real way and just the, the expression of his love and understanding that we are not the sum total of our worst decisions and God wants us, wants to redeem us. And he had forgiven me for that. It was a really a difficult, but also a really good time for me because I understand the depths of God's love. But you talk about as an athlete, you know, if it weren't for the Olympics, I would have had my first child in 2008, but it was one of those, you know, decisions that I made to continue my career. And so in 2017, when I finally did become pregnant, because Ross and I really struggled with, you know, would we ever get pregnant again? And just all these lies you tell yourself when you go through those lows in, in your life. It was so amazing for us to finally feel not only ready, but also blessed that God would allow us to have a child at that time in our lives. So, yeah, and that's a little heavy, but, you know, no, I like, love it. You've always been so real with your fans <laughs> and, you, and, and everyone you talk to. You're just so genuine. Was it hard to put that out there? I remember you got some blowback, you know, when you, when yeah. you mentioned that in your book. It must have been hard to relive all that. What was that like? Yeah. Yeah, it was very tough. So when I was doing the process of writing my book, that story wasn't in the book. I was writing everything about the frills and, you know, all the things that people think that you experience when you're on this path to a gold medal. And I remember when I finally landed on the title of my book, because my book also, that also evolved to the title. And I landed on the title Chasing Grace. And the reason I love that title so much is because all my life, I felt like I was chasing, chasing medals, chasing records, you know, chasing kind of the best version of myself. And what I was ultimately most grateful that I ran into on my journey was God's grace. So I felt like I couldn't share and that, that title would have been disingenuous if I didn't share the story that I felt like brought me to the title. And so I was very prayerful about it. And it was very hard you know, when I when the book came out and then I had an interview where it was misconstrued the way I expressed what it was like being a female athlete and, and dealing with that decision. I got a lot of negative blowback. And it's funny because the majority of the people who had really harsh things to say were men. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and they've never been in your shoes before. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I'm like, 
so hard for a man to speak on something like this because you'll never experience what it's like to have to make that decision and actually be the one in the clinic going through that. So I thought it was really unfair for men to Absolutely. weigh in. Absolutely, it was unfair. Like you know, and, yeah. and hat, hats off for you for just addressing something that very few people talk about, and that's fertility in female athletes, especially in the sport of track and field, where a lot of times you're, people aren't on birth control. You know, it messes with your hormones. It messes with your performance. Absolutely. And I know so many women that have said, well, do I want to choose to be great at my sport or, or choose to, you know, be celibate? And it shouldn't have to be that if a mutually exclusive situation for our, our young female athletes. Exactly. And that's where I was hoping that the conversation would go is like, how can we educate our young athletes? Because when you're in college, there's so much miseducation. Most of the times the people that you're talking to are your teammates who know no better than you, yeah. you know, because you're afraid to talk to your coach about it or afraid to talk to your mom about it or whoever to figure out like, what is the best way for me? And like you said, I mean, you know, you hear the rumors, you, you take birth control, you're going to get water weight and no, you know, as a female athlete, you want to be lean and strong and fast. And so just a lot of those things that happened around that time. And I was happy to share the story because for as much negative feedback as I got, I got triple the positive feedback and women reaching out to me and DMing me and talking to me about, you know, how did I overcome that? And I really felt like for me, it was very cathartic and it helped me to really continue on my journey of healing and addressing something that I really pushed to the back of my mind for so long and didn't really want to address. I feel like for my husband and I, we were able to really go through that healing journey and really ask for forgiveness and, and let it go and shed ourselves of the shame that comes along with it. So it was actually very, very good for me. And I'm happy that I shared it, even though it was really difficult. Well, and I got to imagine going through all that made you a, a stronger, more resilient person. And as you mentioned, it, it, it strengthened your relationship with God and, and deepened your faith. So thank Absolutely. you for sharing that with, with us, our, our listeners. And thanks for sharing that in your book. What an incredible story. You know, I mean, not that you needed to develop your character in, in any way or become more resilient. You were already such an incredibly resilient person. But I think this is something that I want to mention to our listeners. You see people on social media, you see them in the Olympics, you see your favorite pro athletes, you don't know what they're going through and, and be kind, you know, be sensitive. Yeah. Everyone is going through something, whether it's, you know, the death of a family member, or their personal yeah. relationships, or what you went through in 2008. Let's all yeah. try to be a little bit more kind, you know, especially on the internet where, where you're hiding behind yeah. a computer screen. Absolutely. So such an important point. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. On this podcast, we talk about running the day and not letting the day run you. You know, you, you yeah. clearly run the day. You're a mom, <laughs> you're a wife. You're an yeah. author, you're, you know, four gold medals, two Olympic teams. I mean, it's just, you take charge. What are you working on today? You know, I, with, without the limited time that you actually have. I know, right? So I still, so I'm still a Nike brand ambassador, which I'm super proud of. Were you with Nike for your entire career? My entire career. So 13 years. Very impressive. Yeah. So they, and they've been amazing to me post-retirement. I've stayed on and I have a contract and I still travel and do appearances for them. So super excited about that. And I'm still working with NBC and commentating different track meets. Um, and you are great. I, Let me just they, say that. They, this is I always kind of crap on the TV production of track and field meets. And I think yeah. that they can do a better job. But one yeah. thing I have to give, you know, credit to where credit's deserved is hiring the right commentators. You and Addo and everybody else just really bring, you know, so much knowledge to it. And I, I genuinely enjoy listening to you commentate. Thank you. Yeah. For me, it has been, I think also helped with my transition because I feel like I get to contribute to the sport in a new way. Mm -hmm. And like you, I, I'm also a fan of the sport and I would listen and say, oh, they didn't say that. Or why did they have to harp on that? Or, you know, like, right. and so to be able to hopefully add that fresh perspective and also, my experience has been a real joy for me. So I love doing that. I'm going to call a bunch of indoor meets and probably a bunch of outdoor meets this year. I took a little bit off last year with Ducey and 
wanting to spend a lot of the first year with him. So I didn't do as much last year as I will this year. But one of the more exciting projects that, I'm, that I've just started is I started a company called Coordination. And what it is, is I really love styling my family. So whenever we're going somewhere, we get coordinated looks and uh, people just loved it. And they would DM me and say, hey, like, where are you finding the pieces? How do you find <laughs> to do that? And so my sister, my cousin and I were the founding mothers of this company that's starting, the starting point for it is starting with styling, where we're helping moms to style their, whether it's their Christmas cards or just family photos, period. Like I think when I watched, I remember watching when the fires were happening in California, my heart was so broken. And many of the times the people, when they would talk about what they were, they, they hated losing the most, it was the pictures, the memories. And so for me, that's what this is about. There's, it's about creating these amazing memories and capturing the times with your families that you can't get back. Like, you know, my son's 17 months now. And, you know, if I don't have a picture, I look back, you, you kind of forget what he looked like and how he acted and just all those things that it brings up. So we're doing that um, for families. We've styled over 50 families already in our first month. So it's been really phenomenal. But I also see that brand doing so much more. Like we'd love to, we're going to coordinate hair and makeup events, all kinds of stuff. So it's just super cool to be at the start line of this project. And, you know, this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint, but I'm, yeah. I'm loving, enjoying working with my family again, but also working with other families and helping them bring those moments together and those looks to life. It's been a lot of fun. For the listeners, it's, it's coordination, C-O-R-D-I, nation. We will link that in the show notes below. But Sonia, I'm looking at your Instagram and I am just in love with some of these pictures. Your family is so coordinated. <laughs> you all are so good looking. Thank uh, you. It was this, this was this born just from kind of you dressing up your family and you're like, you know what, other yeah. people are going to want to do this too. Yeah, like it, it seriously is one of my love languages. And it's so funny because at first my husband was like, ah, oh. and now he's like, so what are we wearing this week? You know, it's like, so <laughs> I would be the exact same way. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. Do you have any pets? No, we don't have any pets, but my, my son loves dogs okay, everywhere okay. we go. He's like, roof, roof, and dog, dog. And I'm like, not, not yet, sunshine, not yet. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a big market for you dressing up dogs. I know, I know. <laughs> One of my stylists actually has a dog. She's a family of, of it's what, four kids, and so six of them, and a dog. And she styles her dog in all of her photos. So we style dogs. I'm not styling okay, them, just, but one of them Just making sure the company sees their opportunity there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, gosh, Sonia, you're just so much fun to talk to. I miss seeing you every weekend. What do you miss most? You know, I, I miss the people the most. I, I loved I loved the adulation. I love the feel of winning. I love sure. the structure of training. But what I miss most is the people. And for our listeners, you know, when you've reached the level that, ta- that, that Sonia and I reached, you know, you're seeing the same people every single weekend. We would bounce from London to Madrid to Eugene yep. to New York. And you're really traveling with the same, you know, 500 to 1,000 people everywhere you go. And yeah. I just, there's people that I just used to, like yourself, that I used to just love seeing. I loved hearing how you were doing and giving you a big hug. I miss yeah. the people. What, what, you know, aside from that, what else do you miss? Yeah, you know, I would say really my team. Like mm-hmm. I was really fortunate. One of my physio was out of Switzerland. And I worked with Bruce Johnson, my strength coach, Coach Clyde Hart and my mom and dad. And I miss traveling with my team. Like I don't get to see Adric anymore. And I mean, you, you go from seeing somebody like for half the year or more every single day, he would come and live with me here in Austin and and go to practice with me and he would run with me. And it's still the people, but I miss my team so much. And I miss being out on the track with the Baylor track team and trying to compete with the boys. And, you know, like you said, it's it's fun to stay on top of the podium. It's fun to win. It's fun to travel, but it's something so special about the connection that you make with people that you really do miss the most when it's all said and done. 
Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I recently came out with a YouTube video that actually broke down the team that I created. It's awesome that you mentioned that because every single Olympian that you see on that track, they have a massive team that helps them get there. No one does it on, on their own. And the team that you built out was just so rock solid. And you mentioned a few of the players there. You mentioned that your, your, you know, your mom and dad helped manage your career and, and coach hard and, and everyone else. Are, are we forgetting anybody? You know, the career that you had 13 years and the medals that you won and the teams you made. You know, who yeah. else was part of your team there? Yeah, my core team would be Coach Clyde Hart was on my track coach. Bruce Johnson, a huge yep. part of my team. He was my strength coach and he would travel with me and just always willing to learn and get better. Adric, who we mentioned, my, was my physio. And then Dr. Don Corley, my sports psychologist, who... Mm-hmm. I started working with after 2008 because like I I mentioned, I was so broken. I really needed someone to kind of walk me through what my, you know, journey was like, was going to look like beyond that. Um, So important and so often overlooked, the sports psychologist. And man, I had one as well. Jeff Trosh was mine. So often we think, oh, we've got to train our bodies. We're athletes. But equally important, I think, is training your mind. 100%. And I wish he was on my team even sooner because I feel like the minute I got him, I just kept, you know, soaring from there. So yeah, so him and then you know, my mom and dad. And then I also had really great marketing, a great marketing team in CAA. So Lowell Todd and Liz Moss, they also were a part of my team for my entire career. So, you know, those would be the key, key people that I would rely on every single day and just miss and love them so much for everything and all the sacrifices that they made to pour into me to make me great. Isn't it incredible when you think about all the, the man hours that go into making an Olympian? You're talking thousands and thousands of hours of people yeah. working to create that 50-second beautiful performance that you would you, sometimes 49 seconds that you would put yeah. out on the track. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. You, you can't even begin. People can't even begin to wrap their minds around the commitment of, especially the people who don't get to stand on top of the podium. And my team, I mean, they went above and beyond. Bruce Johnson would drive to Waco almost every day from Austin to come to wow. practices, would travel to meet sometimes on his own dime. He, you know, just the stuff that they would do. Adric, my physio, would leave his family and be in Austin for months to when I was re- rehabbing and just be with me every single day to make sure that I was progressing in a healthy way. So, I, I mean, how do you quantify that kind of love and commitment is just impossible. You know, the unsung heroes of every Olympic team and every Olympic member and every pro athlete for that matter. And so, you know, big shout out to all the people out there that are listening, the agents, the physios, the doctors that help make that possible. I'd love that you appreciate, you know, just how important that, that team aspect is. Are you training at all? Are you, you know, you might, you've always been (laughs) big into fitness. Are you getting into, you know, half marathons or marathons for chance or anything at all? You know, just, just, even if it's just uh, going for a walk with your kids. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, Nick, I don't know if you had this experience, but for the first year after retiring, I couldn't get the motivation to work out. You know, I think yeah. for so long, it's like you train and and I was training, always training. And I knew that specifically training for something. And so in the first year when I wasn't training for anything, I had a hard time finding my new normal when it came to my workouts and being consistent with them. But now finally, I feel like my mind and my body has made that switch. And I think, of course, also going into motherhood right away. And I feel like that was an everyday workout, you know, oh, with yeah, my, absolutely. My, but now I'm starting to get into a great routine. I love going to the gym with my mom and my brother-in-law. We go to the gym together. We do body pump classes. We weight train together. I'm back on a really good eating regimen. Because of my toe, I don't run a lot because I really, I mean, the last year of my career, last two years, I was in so much pain every day in practice. I think it kind of drained a little bit of my love for running because it was 
you know, ended up being like almost like a chore, chore to get out there and try to, and try to push past the pain. But I do love, I, I definitely love being fit and I love eating well and drinking lots of water and I, I'm the importance of taking care of my body. So yeah, it's been fun to find my new normal. And it's, it's, it's now, it's great to have like my mom and my brother-in-law as kind of my workout and accountability partners. They help me a whole lot. I identify so much with everything you just said. For me, it was my left ankle and I fell out of love with running because I yeah. saw the track as this monster that wasn't going to make me feel superhuman. It was going to make me feel a lot of pain because my left yeah. ankle would swell up every time I ran a turn. I don't know if you heard, but I recently announced that I missed training for something. I missed the structure. And yeah. so I can't run the turns anymore. There's only one event in track and field left for me. It's the hundred meters. <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing because I'm so slow off the line. I was never famous for my speed, but, never. but, but, but you're closing though, man, that was those. Some, that, oh my goodness. That's like, what I would. That's what I tell people. Yeah, it just took me 700 meters to get up to full speed. Right. (laughs) So, Sonia, you're laughing, but seriously, I'm training for the 100 meters. It's not pretty. I ran my first hand-timed 100 the other day from a standing start, and I ran 12.63. So it's a start, right? I got the bar out there. I love it. I love it. (laughs) What was your best 100? My best 100 time was 10.97. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That is insane. And 97. But you know what's so funny, Nick? And, and, you know, you look back and you're like, dang, so many things. But that year when I ran 1097, it was the final race of the season. And I think, you know how people do research and put numbers out. I think I was the, I was one of the quickest people to sub 11 in history. So like I've only run so few hundreds and I got under sub 11 and like whatever somebody wrote about it. I, I don't know all the details. But anyway, that year I did no speed work. I was focused on the 400. I think I ran 48 that year. So I was having a really good year in the 400. I jumped in 100 in Shanghai and ran 1097. And I always I always wanted to focus some more on the 100. But then my toe just kept getting worse. And of course, pushing off the blocks and stuff. So do you ever wonder what you could have run for that event? I do. I really do. I think when I was when I started running, I was a short sprinter. And my dad made me run the 400 for just a straight like my senior year, like, hey, just get some strength work in and end up breaking all the indoor records and the national record in the 400 and switched my focus. But I kept every year. I was like, next year's the hundred. Next, and it just mm-hmm. never came, you know? <laughs> it's gotta be tough when you're that talented. And so it's so versatile can run so many events. I was a one trick pony, so it wasn't hard for me. I just ran the eight. <laughs> I know you could have, you could have run the mile or you could have done the 400 too, if you wanted to. I, I just know. felt lucky that I could even do one event decently. well. <laughs> but I look at you, I look at Allison. I look at, I look at the truly great, you know, sprinters um, of, of my generation. And it's just, it is truly inspiring to watch you got the way you got one, the way you handled your career, but also just the versatility, your, your toolbox, your, your quiver of arrows was so vast. You really could have been successful at just about anything. I think it's not just your physical genetic gifts, but the way that, that you built the team around you and, and the way that you approached your career, the, the, the willingness to sacrifice and, and the willingness to just give it everything you got. I think all of our listeners should, should take a note from your book there and just respect the, the amount of hard work and sacrifice that you put in. Oh, well, thank you so much, Nick. It means a whole lot coming from you. Sonia, I'm coming down to Austin, Texas at the end of February for a wedding, and I could use some pointers on my horrible 100-meter form. So if, if you're around, I'm going to look you up, and maybe you can give me a pointer or two because I could sure use it. I'm there. <laughs> I'm looking. It. I'm there. <laughs> All right, Sonia, if our listeners want to learn more about coordination or if they want to follow you, certainly there's SoniaRichardsRoss.com, and you're on Instagram as, yes. as Sonia Richards Ross. Is there anywhere else they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and it's Sonia Richie. So it's Richie, R- yeah, I'm sorry, I'm seeing that Richie. now. No, that's fine. Yeah, Sonia Richie Ross, and then you can join the coordination. It's at Join the Coordination. We have a Facebook page, Twitter page, 
a Pinterest page, YouTube. So if you want to keep up with Join the Coordination, if you want to be a part of the movement, I would so love the support. And um, I think you'll also love the brand. Love it. Sonia, it's so good catching up with you. I miss seeing you. I miss your family. Please tell them I say hi. Uh, and I hopefully I can, we can catch up at the end of February. Definitely. Looking forward to it, Nick. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for your time, Sonia. A big thank you to everyone for joining us on that episode. If you want to find out more or listen to other episodes, go to rungum.com slash podcast. Also, please make sure to subscribe on iTunes or your preferred player. I'm Nick Simmons, and you've been listening to the Run the Day podcast. Until next time.